Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, the Director of Music Ministries. During this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we're becoming. In today's episode, the team is going to discuss the ways that churches are envisioning the return of congregations into their perhaps traditional in-person settings. We'll tell you all about what we're hearing from the field, what some churches and leaders are doing to prepare for the next phase and what some key questions are for this time. But first, Let's address why there's so many different ways churches are reopening at this time. We want to suggest that you consider the risk factors from our CDC website. And there are several factors that can contribute to the likelihood of attendees getting and spreading COVID-19 at large events particularly. In combination, the following factors will create higher or lower amounts of risk. For example, the number of COVID-19 cases in your community. We know that there are high or increasing levels of cases in the event location or the locations the attendees are coming from increase the risk of infection and also spread among attendees. So there's relevant data that can often be found on your local health department website or on the CDC's COVID data tracker county view. Secondly, we want to consider exposure during travel. You've probably heard the statistics around airport travel, airplanes, bus stations, buses, train stations, and trains in public transportation, even gas stations or rest stops and just all places where physical distancing may be challenging and the ventilation may be poor. Thirdly, you wanna consider the setting of the event, especially indoor events, places with not so good ventilation might pose more risks than those that are outdoors. The next thing that we would suggest is that you consider the length of the event. Some events that last longer might pose more risks than shorter events. So being within six feet of someone who has COVID-19 for a total of 15 minutes or more over a 24 hour period greatly increases the risk of becoming infected and requires quarantine. We would also suggest that you consider the number and crowding of people at any event. 
these events with more people increase the likelihood, again, of being exposed. So the size of the event should be determined based on whether attendees from different households can stay at least six feet, which means that that's about two arm lengths apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, physical distancing at events can reduce transmission risk. For example, blocking off seats or modifying room layouts. And then finally, the behavior of attendees during an event is a careful consideration for planning your events where people engage in behaviors such as interacting with others from outside their own household, like singing or shouting, not, not maintaining physical distancing or not even wearing masks consistently and correctly can increase risk. So after viewing this guidance for large event planners, operators, and administrators can use the CDC's events and gatherings readiness and planning tool PDF. Uh, you can go to that on your website. Again, it's the CDC's events and gatherings readiness and planning tool PDF. You can go there to determine their level of readiness to impl implement, mitigate, and safety measures. Organizers should continue to assess based on current conditions, whether to postpone or cancel large events and gatherings, significantly reduce the number of attendees for events in the event that you have not uh, taken care of the things that we have listed here. If organizers are unable to put safety measures in place, then we strongly encourage you during large events and gatherings uh, to go to a, perhaps a virtual setting for your event. Hopefully these things will assist you uh, and that your event will be a marvelous experience for all in attendance. Derek, what do you think? Well, I, I think one of the most important words, Cynthia, that you just use is continue. A lot of that stuff that, that we just repeated for you to rethink again, you may have already known, you may yeah. have been working with um, exactly. for this time. But, but one of the concerns that we are having as a team is we're beginning to hear people say, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's all over. <laughs> but, yeah. But our emphasis is you need to continue to pay attention to these issues. Um, and I know many of you are, and that's, that's not news, but we just want to repeat that so that you can hear that. Part of the question, what we wanted to do in this session together here is just simply ask, what's next? What do we need to do? And the first thing we need to do is continue what we've been doing, pay attention to all of these details. It may seem onerous, it may seem more than we need to do. We may wanna just forget it all and move on, but, but we really can't. Mm -hmm. uh, people are important enough for us to continue to pay attention to that. So the first question we ask is we make this transition and, and, and we're seeing that the church is in transition. Many churches have been in person for months. Others are just beginning. Some are still considering what to do. So, so there's a transition going on. And, and we want to ask some questions. What, what kinds of things should we consider as we come back? Um, in, in a way, this is an opportunity. Yeah, it's a burden in many ways, but, but I think it's, 
I think it's an opportunity for us to grab a hold and continue to, to run with, with things that may bring us into a new place yeah. uh, as, as we return back. Uh, in a sense, we could say we started this uh, reacting to what was going on, and we just had to, had to quickly move into a new way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, but now there may be some time to think about it. Uh, right. So, so what, do we, what do we think about as we come back? Well, you know, I think one of the things that um, people are thinking about is how do we um, acknowledge that we built a community online while still wanting to um, be in person as soon as possible um, and um, not to let go of one for the other. But how do we hold those two in a wonderful creative tension and creative space um, so I think that's one of the big questions that I'm, I'm hearing people ask is how do we do this now? We've, we've literally opened up a, can, a new can of worms <laughs> and, um, and we've got to do something with it now because we've discovered what a wonderful world it is when we can gather uh, virtually with people from around the world. Mm-hmm. And so how do we n- not forget that great thing that we've learned um, and incorporate it into, and I love corporate, you know, the corpus, how do we bring that into the whole body of the church? Mm-hmm. Um, even as some bodies are in place and some bodies are in other places. Mm-hmm. I don't know what um, that's, that's, I think one of the big things that people are, are wrestling with and, and it's a good wrestling mm-hmm. uh, opportunity for that. Yeah. Certainly yeah. the, the word we're hearing and, and beginning to use is hybrid, you know, this hybrid between in-person and virtual. Mm-hmm. And, and some churches may say these are two separate things, that we have a virtual congregation and we cater to them in one place, but we have an in-person one. Yeah. And, and there's some advantages to that, but there are also some disadvantages. So how do we connect? How do we become, as Diana says, the corpus, the body together, uh, right. even from different places? You know, friends, um, we've spent quite a bit of time as we've spoken to uh, practitioners about what it is that they're considering uh, as they venture back. One of the things, uh, however, that I think might need to supersede the logistics would be uh, how it is that a post-COVID mindset can, in fact, affect what is happening amongst parishioners. I think that we haven't talked a lot about the anxiety and the stress factor uh, that persons might be experiencing. And especially for, for those who uh, are, are not able to even consider taking the vaccine, uh, mm. what is it that they might be feeling about either moving back into the midst of the community or that they can't maybe move back into the midst. What about anxiety and stress and how is it that the church community can speak to those things? And I think it, it, it may be also important uh, to take it slow. You know, mm-hmm. It's so normal, it's natural for us to rush back in and be <laughs> so excited about being amongst uh, our loved ones, our community. In, in the coffee hall, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> finally we get to see our friends and hugging and kissing and all that good stuff. But uh, there's no right way or wrong way to feel about it except to take it slow. 
Um, then I, I think um, self-care mm. is a major piece. Um, how, yeah. how do we take care of ourselves in the midst of this um, maybe post-COVID? I don't know. I say that tongue-in-cheek. When when will it be over, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think there can also be a um, a way of thinking about uh, gathering again in person mm-hmm. that. Um, helps uh, the various communities that we have at our church. By that, I mean, there is that community that's ready to come back and be full force and perhaps, and I hope they're all fully vaccinated and they've had the opportunity and they, you know, it's the vaccine works for them and it's great. That's one set. But then there is that, what you're saying, there are those who are more anxious um, just because they've been, we've been in isolation for so long and it's really hard. I've talked to many neighbors and others who are like, it's really hard for me to go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Even though I know it's much safer now. I've just, you know, we, we have lived in this very fearful, anxious place. So how can the church uh, create space for those folks to say, come, we're only going to have 10 people here or 12 people here um, and invite them so that they start to get their legs back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think, I, I think that can be such a pastoral um, way for the church to serve its community that, that isn't quite ready to jump in as some are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, we have to think about all the different communities like you were talking about, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we have to consider our children who are not vaccinated yet. And and what are the risk factors for them? Yeah. So, yeah, well, there, there, there's also in, in addition to those who aren't ready to come back, there are those who won't come back. Right. Who, who are now lost to the community. And how, you know, how do we. Uh, grieve them and honor them and and save space for them oh, yeah. uh, when when they may have died early on in the pandemic and it's been so long. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to open wounds again, and yet we've got to acknowledge that the community looks different. Mm-hmm. There are different folks here, or some who are not here, and so so the pastoral issues. I think uh, Cynthia, you're exactly right. They they need to be at the top of our list as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Not just the logistic, not just the administrative pieces, but right. uh, and that part part of that we can we can focus on as we design worship. Right. That right. worship needs to include space for grieving, for reluctance, for anxiety, for mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things. Um, Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I want to say a word to pastors. Uh, as they begin to encourage folks to to gather again in whatever configuration. You know, there's some things that COVID has taught us that I don't think we would know if uh, COVID had not come our way. One of them is that you don't have to preach as long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're going to go there, are we? Watch it, Cynthia, because uh, uh, that can come back to us who are musicians. Too. <laughs> exactly right. Just, just, uh, just kidding. It's just you know, so every now and then we might need to to speak to our to our souls and ourselves too. You know. <laughs> well, I, I, I think 
even though I have this initial visceral reaction to that, <laughs> the preacher in the group. But, but I think I think you've got a point, particularly if we're going to try and continue both a hybrid or both right. a virtual and an in-person. You know, right, right. Does that mean we shape our worship differently than we did before? That's that's, that's really such a good point, Derek. So <laughs> important. Yeah. <laughs> You just like keeping us in our place. That's I do. <laughs> but there are some. We've discovered there are some some key issues about about worship and preaching, in particular, online versus in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we don't we don't want to lose that in depth teaching preaching that that many have done, uh, and the opportunity to take people on a journey through the the preached word um, that engages the whole person in, yeah. in, in ways. So I, I don't want to surrender that. Uh, I've never been one to pay that much attention to strict rules about time. Um, mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. have often asked me, you know, how long should sermons be? I say, as long as you can keep their attention. Mm-hmm. As, long, as long as there's something valuable going on. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the real key. Are we engaged with people? Um and not just are we filling a slot right. or getting our our points across, you know, but right. but is something happening here? I, I think one of the things we've learned uh, in the pandemic is that engagement happens in lots of different ways. Yes. And we have to pay attention to that. And how do we how do we make sure people are engaged? Um, yes. and, and I think congregations have learned to worship differently because of this. And they may come back, even those who do come back in person. They maybe mm-hmm. have a different expectation. You know, mm-hmm. you may see them get up and wander around because they're used to doing that now when they worship at home. You know, so so things may have changed, and we have to pay attention to that. I think. And what about the new uh, disciples, the newcomers? This is going to be a, yet another transition for them, right? They they moved into the space online, and now they may be moving out of the online experience into um, the traditional experience. How do we um, nurture them into this this new uh, experience once again? And how do we disciple them into the, the space where everybody's present? That's a different experience for new newbies, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe in a way, everybody's in a new place, you know, mm-hmm. because we've been apart for so long and now we're coming together and, and yeah, there's yeah. a familiarity for those who've been a long time versus those who are new, but, mm-hmm. but we're starting over, you know, everybody, yeah. maybe we ought to have a recommitment service whenever we come back again and, and say, we're all starting out. Yeah. You know, I've always appreciated the, the Wesley covenant service model beginning a whole new year, you know, well now maybe it needs to be whenever, we, we launch our in-person worship again um, or some significant time where we can say we are committing to be the family of God together. We're committing to be followers of Jesus, growing as disciples, you know, together. Um, and we have new people. Mm-hmm. We have people we haven't seen for a while. Mm-hmm. And we have people who are afraid and people who are anxious and, and people who are eager. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and somehow together we've got to shape ourselves into the body. Mm-hmm. Oh, Derek, I love that. Maybe, maybe we perhaps could post the, the covenant service and uh, and just encourage folk to at least take a look at it. And and, mm-hmm. and if they choose to do it corporately, that's fine. But we should all probably take a, 
a look at that service mm-hmm. and, and recommit ourselves individually and corporately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a new beginning in a sense. And yeah. and I, and I think that goes along with your point about taking time, taking time to be pastoral, but but also taking time to be intentional mm-hmm. about what it is that we do. Let's let's admit it. I you know, as as someone who served church for uh, almost 40 years, 30 some years, um, you get into a habit, you get into a routine and, and often it's plug and play. Well, now it's time to start afresh and say, why am I doing what am I, what I'm doing? You know, what do all of these things that I want to put into the worship service, what do they mean? What do they do? And how do they help the congregation enter into that space where they are truly worshiping God? You know, that's, Let's re-examine the worship service. Let's let's re-examine all of those elements again for us in oh. in our local space to ask the question: What what are we doing? How does the choir, for example, how does it help us worship rather than just entertain us in the midst of that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm you know I'm hearing a lot of people saying that um, because they've stayed home and they they've been working from home that. Uh, they realized that they could let go of a lot of things they thought were so important. Um, uh, the, that work structure, the, and, and so forth. And I think about church and the elements of worship, as you were saying, Derek, and, and we've streamlined so much of it because of going to online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what things people will continue to leave off that we, that they decided we really didn't need that. We, you yeah. know, um, Let's keep the focus more clear and fewer, perhaps fewer elements of worship, uh, but always keeping in mind the participation of the worshiper. Um, and and I think that that makes for something new and something exciting as we come back into church. Um, yeah. I, I, like we were saying earlier, we've discovered a lot of new things, mm-hmm. um, but what old things can we just let go and let 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 it be? Um, and as we move forward, uh, I think that's something to for us. That's a question to ask. Most definitely. And, and Diana, what that might mean is rethinking the formation piece for congregations. Mm. Sunday school might be. Uh, just revisiting why certain things are included in the worship experience. Uh, it, it might help for folks to understand how certain creeds are functioning in the in the service or, or how certain uh, choreography is functioning in the service. But that teaching moment, whether it be a Wednesday night Bible study or Sunday morning Sunday school, might be a, a great opportunity to talk about that something new or that something old, whichever it was. This morning I was um, uh, with GCFA and I, I used a sermon called That Was Then and This Is Now. <laughs> but what is it that we can, like you said, uh, what can we let go of? But what is it that is a part of our formation, our spiritual formation? What is it that liturgically we can't afford to let go of and why um, for those persons who are just joining us in that space where we can afford to add that choreography, whether it's taking the offering forward or whether it's going to the rail to pray and how, however those things are functioning, why, where, who, what, mm-hmm. those, are, those are good things to revisit as well. 
Well, and, and I think we, we need to be clear. We're not saying that we just want to trim down the service and make it shorter. Right. We, we right. want it to be meaningful, full of meaning, mm-hmm. and, and, and the experience it be connecting of, of people so that they're gathered up into that. We want to, mm-hmm. what we want to move away from is, is the observer kind of worship. Now, I know there always needs to be space, maybe for some of the new ones that you were talking about before, Cynthia, but, but for those who don't yet know, to, to observe the others so that they can then enter in. So we need space for that. But, mm-hmm. but worship is a participatory event, and we, right. we need to be engaged and involved, and it should, it should connect the whole body in, in this process somehow. And so, mm-hmm. so, you know, what we're letting go of is the idea that worship is done by the people up front or in the chancel or, or the screen or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and move to the idea that worship is done by the whole body somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think what what we're finally in in the end, what we're seeing is that this is a process, mm-hmm. and it's going to take time for whatever it is that we shall be. <laughs> we know for sure that we want God to breathe on it. Mm-hmm. We want most of all to be patient with ourselves and to be patient with each other, so that we can fully embrace this thing that God is doing in our midst. And we encourage you not to be anxious for whatever it is that God is saying to us for such a time as this, but to really embrace uh, the path and keep moving forward um, and be ready for the bumps along the way (laughs) and give yourself grace. That uh, in all things, God is working for our good. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today, friends. We are always so happy to be with you. We hope that this brief conversation has been helpful. We'd love to hear from you. If you had ideas that you want to share, tell us what they are. Remember that you can find other information and other topics at our website. That website is umcdiscipleship.org. Again, umcdiscipleship.org. Again, tell, send us a message. Just tell us you're listening and that you care. We love you and we appreciate you. And until next time, we'll be praying for you, for your congregation, your community. And may God continue to bless you, your ministry, as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.